So Father, we want to thank you once again uh, for another opportunity like this to look into your word. And even as the word says, the entrance of your word gives understanding and brings light to the simple. Father, we just pray that tonight, even as we're going to explore the topic of reading the Bible, I pray that your word will be written on our hearts, oh God, that everything that you've got uh, planned for us tonight, uh, we would receive it. And Father, we just pray for those that are on their way. I pray you quicken their steps. Um, it caused them to be able to arrive early enough to be able to benefit from the session tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So just as a show of hands, um, unfortunately, those of you that you've got your cameras off, you can't really raise your hand, or at least even if you raise it, I can't see it. Uh, but as a show of hands, who has read or who has listened to Genesis 37 to 50. Okay, so there are three of us. Um, reading, listening is part of it. Thank you for the royal um, person I now missed. Uh, thanks, Joe, as well. So does that mean it's three of us out of 10? Um, if you've read it or listened to it and you've got your cameras off, um, unfortunately, we can't see you or count you as part of the people. But um, it's just to check who has read Genesis uh, 37 to 50, apart from those that raised their hands. Only before, so this time around, I only read like five chapters, but I have read it before, but this time around, I only read like five chapters. Um, that's why I didn't put my hands on. Oh, thank you. Something is better than nothing. I didn't actually read it. I listened to it. Um, so um, that still qualifies, I suppose. Um, but yeah. Thank you. Um, anybody else? Mary, you came off mute. I'm not sure that, whether that's because you wanted to say something. Oh, no, I was just going to suggest that people whose cameras aren't on, they can use the feet, the reaction feature, perhaps. That all right. was all. Um, but just to, um, I don't know, don't, yeah, I don't want to come across defensive, but I have read those chapters before. Don't ask me when, but I've read them before. Okay. Okay. We'll forgive you all that um, didn't look at it uh, because, you know, to her is human, to forgive is divine. Um, but the reason why I wanted us to read it is because we're going to go back into Genesis 45 from verse 1 to 15. And there are some things that has been said in other aspects of the scripture that would fit into our understanding of those 15 verses. And so that's the reason why I was trying to encourage us to read it. Because what sometimes what happens when we have Bible study, and I don't mean in this context, but generally, is we sometimes read our own experience into Scripture as opposed to let Scripture speak for itself. Um, so it's a, it's a common thing that when I've been in Bible study, and sometimes it's we can learn from those, or when I've been in Bible studies, when people have read Scriptures, you know, sometimes we read the Bible devotionally. In other words, what is God saying to me? And that's good. But a foundation for studying the Bible is also learning to listen to what the Bible is saying in its original context. And those 15 verses that we read last week as part of looking at the narrative nature of Scripture, there are things that are said in other parts of Scripture that can help us better appreciate what is written there. Okay, So just as a quick recap of Genesis 45 from verse 1 to 15, so it was the big reveal. So this is when Joseph revealed himself uh, to his brothers. So that's what Genesis 45 from verse 1 to 15 is about. But the other verses around that um, section more or less gives us a bit more insight. All right. So um, for those of us that read it, I just wanted to hear from you. Is there anything that jumped out at you based on any of the things you read? Uh, for those that read um, the passages or listened to the passages, is there anything you would like us to benefit from that you think we might benefit from that you would like to share before we focus our minds specifically into the scripture for today? For me, it was the forgiveness piece. Um, he didn't just say it. He backed it up by giving sheep and goats and land and servants and like everything that they needed to prosper even though they cast him out basically to die and be a, a slave for the rest of his life and he even took those 12 years or 13 years or however long it was and still had it in his heart 
to forgive. And as a human being, that is hard. <laughs> so hard. So that's what stuck, stuck out for me. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? And if you also want to reflect on anything that Vinia said, then please do reflect on that as well. Um, so the opportunity is there for everyone to reflect. What stood up for me was, I think similar to Vinny and I feel on the reflection as well, um, was when Joseph said to his brother, his brothers that God sent me ahead of you. So it's kind of acknowledging God, what God have done rather than, you know, anger take over his mind or his state. So I think that it was it was really really touched when he said god sent me ahead of you you know and i think that kind of it's in a way it's like forgiveness to his brothers without actually saying well it did say i forgive you you know so i think yeah that that stood up for me and that's something that really really you know yeah so yeah god sent me ahead of you so he kind of knew from from the beginning when he was young when he was interpreting his dreams so we kind of that dream that was what was it fulfilled maybe but yeah mm -hmm. no thank you thank you um julie i think you were going to come off mute previously to say something and then you went off again yeah i, I was just going to say that uh, maybe my one is because i used david's um um enjoying word to actually um, read it and i was studying it and um, what he said about um um, God's redemptive plan. This whole story um, mm. about was about God's redemptive plan. I was like, oh wow! I never, I never actually thought about that. I never thought about everything that happened to Joseph was obviously to save um, that family because that was where Jesus was. Jesus was going to come from. That's a bloodline. And I was like, wow! And other thing that he mentioned was looking at Joseph's life and looking at the life of Jesus and comparing that they have their similarities. So I was like, wow, what are the similarities, you know, in terms of his fa Joseph family um, being put in prison, um, you know, Jesus was nailed to the cross and all, all kinds of challenges that they both went through and comparing the two stories made me realize, actually, you know, this is quite interesting because I'm not, I never thought about it like that. So, yeah, I don't know if, if this, 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 this um, is clear understanding for everyone mm -hmm. else, but just something that um you mentioned and uh i was i was actually quite uh quite shocked by that not shocked but i, I yeah. thought it was it was quite good yeah oh thank you so much um for that um julie there's always uh things or stories in the old testament that sort of reflect the life of jesus um and it's good to be able to see those parallel stories i know you had your hand up i'm not sure if you uh have something to share or you had a question yeah just um this is a small reflection so um so when Jacob was going going to see Joseph, um he made a sacrifice, and then when he made that sacrifice, then God um spoke to him in a vision, and he said, "Don't worry, I'm gonna be with you. I will go with you to Egypt, and um that and that he will see Joseph." My my um when I was reading it, I was like I was quite surprised that that God never revealed anything else to Jacob at the time when Joseph was in Israel. Mm. So when Joseph was in Egypt, which made me realize that it was always God's plan for Joseph to go there. It may not have been the method that his siblings used, but it was always God's plan. That when the chiefs bowed to him, it was exactly how he saw it in, in the vision. So yeah, so God kept this from, from Jacob because he knew that it would, be, it would lead to, to the preservation um, yeah. of, his, of his lineage. So I got from it. No, thank you. Thank you. And we'll, I mean, I'm hoping that we can explore some of this um, reflections that everybody has mentioned. Um, but if time permits, then we'll be able to explore them in, in more detail, in more detail. Um, I'll take Paul's comments and then we'll look into the passage ourselves. Paul? Oh, okay, thank you, uh, Fala. Um, mine is like three points. Um, the first thing um, found out is that um, this guy was sold, I mean, Joseph was sold at a very young age. He was a teenager, passing 
uh, chapter 37, mm-hmm. then um, he refused the offer of uh, uh, of his master's Potiphar's wife. And I'm thinking, what kind of upbringing did he have at that young age for him to refuse that? This someone who doesn't have a hope. I mean, he's still referring to the God who could not save him from the hand of his brother. I was just thinking his dad must be Jacob. He's actually good. He has a good parenting. He was able to raise this guy. At that young age, he could stood for his faith. So that, that's the parenting part that stood out to me. Uh, apart from that, the second thing is uh, his gift. This guy only had, um, when he had that vision, he did not stop. The Bible records chapter uh, 37 that he still said, he said, I had another dream. I mean, this is what I mean was repeating it, despite the fact his father, his mother, the family were saying, is it possible, you, are you going to rule over us? Or was, he kept on saying what God is saying about it. He kept on seeing where he was going, even at that young uh, age. And lastly, the gift he had was just something we can despise. I mean, just uh, dream. I mean, that's what some will call it in this generation. I can't see a young professor, I just have that, just a dream. I just, but he took hold of that. And even when he was in facing crisis in life, he was still doing good in that season. Even while he was still in the prison, he was still using his gift to, to bless people. Despite the fact his own life is not what God, he's not looking at, it's becoming what God wants it to be. But he was still using his gift and he's not looking down on it. He was saying, I can interpret it. I have this gift. I know what God has let us inside of me. So that's what I saw there. Thank you so much, uh, Paul. Um, there's a lot, I mean, it's good that we're recording this because we can always refer back to uh, different reflections that has been shared. Um, so we're diving into Genesis 45. Um, again, just to remind us, the reason why I wanted us to read the other parts is just because there are clues uh, in, in within Genesis 45 verses 1 to 15 that you can find in other passages. Um, and just to remind us as well, so this topic is about reading the Bible. And we've explored the different genres of scripture. So we've looked at narratives. Uh, we've looked at um, the writings. No, actually, no, that shouldn't be the case. I'll just pull up the list. We looked at narratives. We looked at letters. Or we mentioned letters. We mentioned revelation or apocalyptic writing. We've mentioned law and ethics. We mentioned wisdom, poetry. And the one we're looking at, at least for yet last week and today, is narrative. So in other words, the use of storytelling as a means of uh, communicating God's uh, God's truth. All right, so let's go back to Genesis uh, 45. Um, we read that last week, so I'm not going to get us to read it again. But one of the things I said about the uh, narrative is the fact that they have a beginning, they have a middle, and they have an ending. Um, and also there's a narrator that is telling the story. Uh, so in this case, there's somebody else telling the story of Joseph. It's not Joseph himself telling his own story. We know that it's Moses. Uh, even though Moses wasn't here at the time, there must have passed. There must have been a tradition of passing things down for Moses to have been able to recount uh, this particular story. So there's always a narrator that tells the story. And um, and also there's also a setting. So we looked at some of the settings last week. We looked at some of the characters. So the characters includes Joseph himself, his brothers, um, the Egyptians, uh, Pharaoh, and, and so on. So we're going to use some of the things we learned last week to see how we can read this particular um, passage. All right, so if we look at verses 1 and 2, and we mentioned this last week, and, and it's the fact that um, Joseph wept so loud. Um, Joseph wept so loud. Now, one of the things I said was sometimes when we come to Bible reading, we might read our own experience into scripture without actually looking okay what could have made joseph weep so loud all right now i had to pick up some things from other passages from genesis that could give us an idea potentially of why joseph wept so loud so one of them is the fact that when joseph was being sold um there was a lot of distress in his face so there was that sense in which his brothers felt sorry he felt his brothers what why are you doing this to me so let's look at genesis 42 uh, from verse 21. Genesis 42, verse 21. Whoever gets there can please uh, read it to us. Genesis 42, verse 21. 
and they said to one to and they said to one another truly we are guilty regarding our brother because we saw the distress and anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us to let him go yet he would not listen yet we would not listen to his cry so this distress and anguish has come on us that's the amplified version thank you so the reason why he cried again i'm not saying this is definitely to the case but these are clues or cues to why joseph must have wept out loud at least based on the reading of scripture so the fact that when is was being sold there was that sense of terror and perhaps betrayal that he felt and when his brothers were letting him go um and of course bible Bible says he wept but they didn't do anything about it so there's that sense in which he could have felt disappointed he could have felt you know these are the people that are meant to care for me and if you had to put yourself in his own shoes as well that imagine someone that you consider your loved one literally selling you out uh whether publicly i mean we we know sometimes within the royal family with um is it prince ari's um wife gosh the name escapes me now megan megan yes and i'm not trying to make any value judgment on the family but you know sometimes you read about the things that megan's dad has said about megan or even his siblings have said about her and you know that's sort of betrayal whether she deserves it or not but family is still family. And you know that could be one of the reasons why Joseph wept so loud. The other one is the fact that there could have been physical limitations or the fact that he was put in chains. And this, I had to look into Psalms to pick this up. So David narrates the story of Joseph. So let's look at Psalms 105 uh, from verse 17 to 22. Psalm 105, verse 17 to 22. And again, whoever gets there first should please read so we're trying to figure out why joseph potentially could have been could have wept out loud when he met his brothers can you repeat that again psalm 105 verse Mm -hmm. 17 to 22 whoever gets there first should please read and he sent a man before them joseph sorry i'm gonna start again and he sent a man before them joseph sold as a slave they bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put into irons. So what he f- foretold come to pass. So the word of the Lord prove him true. The king sent and released him, and the ruler of the people set him free. He made his master of his house. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possess- he possessed to instruct his prince as he pleased and teach his eldest wisdom. Amen. Now, unless you're familiar with the scriptures, you wouldn't have necessarily noticed this, um, but it's just because I've read widely um, the book of Psalms. That's why I've been able to read into this. But in verse 18, it says, they bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. Um, and so there's that element in which there must have been physical pain yeah. that he experienced in that period of being in prison. There was a physical limitation. And, and so this could just be him in anguish or in that sense of um, bittersweet moments of remembering what he could have been through and, and then having to express that freedom uh, through tears. But again, we don't know specifically, but we can only try to read based on the text um into why that could have happened and also it could be the loneliness and separation that he had from his brothers um so as i think paul mentioned you know joseph was sold uh, at the age of 17. the events that happened here was probably 22 years after that um from that initial event and so these are clues into what could have happened so what we could conclude here is the fact that joseph experienced the pain inflicted by other people um i think that's quite clear uh, based on this first two verses. I'm going to leave the floor open. Perhaps anybody has any reflection that they would like to share uh, based on this first two verses about the life of Joseph based on his tears. Oh, <clears throat> thank you for that. Okay. Does anyone want to go? No, go on. Oh, thank you, Neil. Just trying to ask and thinking out 
reflecting out um, is it possible for God to have fulfilled this dream using another route without being sold like this? Just train it to the yeah, thank you, Vinny. Please kick it, eat it. I was just thinking out. You might need some mute, uh, Vinny. It, it literally said, um, in what we just read that, um, God was testing him. So it was a test for him to get to the other side. Like he didn't, he didn't know what all of this was for. He just knew that he was sold. He knew that he was highly favored, but he didn't know why. And then he wound up saving everyone from famine. So it was a test. That's my thought. That's true, Vinny, but I think Paul's question is, could God have used another route? No. No. The short answer is... No. God is... God's decision is the most perfect. There was no other way. Why would we think that there is another way? Okay, can we explore something here? And this is one of the existential questions that came from reading this passage. So one of the questions that came to me was, when God spoke to Abraham, and I, you guys, we didn't read this. Um, he said, your, your, your descendants will be in slavery for about 400 years. So this was God telling Abraham way before Joseph was even born that you'll be there for 400 years. Now, let's fast forward to where we are now. The reason why Joseph is in prison or he was sold is because of his, of his brother's jealousy. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect of human behavior. Yes. That put him in prison. So does that mean, quote unquote, it was God that put him in prison or it was God working things out for his good? And another way to think about it is, you know, is the question of evil, right? Is it God that creates evil? And I'm not sure whether this is a good parallel, uh, but it's just reflecting on um, Vinny's point. Is is it that, you know, um, there could have been another way if let's say his brothers were not jealous, let's say his brothers were not um, um, envious of him, um, or the brothers had no good, uh, sorry, the brothers, the brothers had no choice but to act the way they acted. Or is it God walking things out? In other words, the enemy has its own plans, but because Joseph was faithful, we're able to see the good side of the story. Paul, does that answer the question? Sorry, does that rephrase your question properly? Yeah, the question is actually, I push it there because I know there are a lot of questions there. Uh, if you consider the story, you discovered mm-hmm. uh, the firstborn had a plan, an escape plan for him, but it did not work. The Bible says when he got back there, they've already sold him and he painted him. So I was just, and I know God, if God is involved, it will not be late. It will be perfect. But it's also, a, that, will that, that will happen. You say something, ju- just, to add to, just to add to Paul's point as well, they wanted to kill him. Yeah, bro, that's what I was going to say. And so then they changed their mind. Him. You know, let's sell him. Mm. And yeah, so over to you, Joe. So did God approve the selling part, not the killing part then? Yeah, I was just going to say piggyback on that existential part because there's just so many moving and missing parts. Like, mm. there's no way to answer that question. There's. I was going to say, when you, when you ask about what did God improve one part and not the other, I was thinking about Job. When, when they, when these what, sons of God presented themselves to, to God and um, God said to Satan, yes, you cannot kill him. But you can test him. So he approved of the testing, but not mm. the killing, if that yeah. makes sense. And yeah, um, yeah but, I wanted to say something. But Sorry. just Judy on that one, who actually caused the pain? Who initiated the pain? Whose Satan. idea was it to start off with? It was Satan because Satan was telling God how, you know, um, Sorry, God was telling Satan how awesome um, um, Job is. I'm sorry, he's what awesome. That's the only way I can interpret it. He was awesome. So, yeah, that awesome, uh, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, 
Satan said, well, you blessed him. You've given us the wonderful gifts. And uh, that's why he's being faithful to you. And so God said, yeah, go ahead and, and test him and take it away from him and see. Let's see what happens. Yeah. But that's that's the way I see it anyway. I don't know. Maybe somebody else does see it another way. I'm, I'm just going to mention something quickly here. And this is something about narratives. That narratives don't teach doctrine. And I think... Sometimes we need to, whatever doctrine, when I say doctrine, i.e. a teaching of scripture, sometimes we might need to look at other passages to under, to, to get a doctrine out of it. And, you know, that's one of the natures of narratives, that narratives tell a story. Uh, unless the narrator tells us directly, this is God's uh, doing, we can't necessarily make that conclusion by just looking at a passage. We might read from other passages because a lot of what we are saying here is because we're reading about other things. And so the reason why this is important is just because sometimes we might read a particular story and we might say, okay, this is the way it's meant to be. And that's sometimes the reason why even in this room, all of us are having two sides of, you know, it was God, it wasn't God. There could have been a different way. So the, the very nature of storytelling in scripture, that particular portion of scripture doesn't necessarily tell us all the full picture. We might need to take what we know about other sides of scripture to be able to explain theologically what is going on here. All right. Now, the, I just thought I would mention that so that at least when we read other passages like this, um, we don't form a conclusion. But coming back to Paul's question, um, could there have been another way? Did God, did God cause this? And so Vinny is saying there's no other way. This is the only way. I've changed my mind. Why have you changed it, Joe? Um, from... A bit that you said in terms of, um, oh, I lost, I lost what I was going to say. Oh, oh it will come back to me. You, after Spoil spoke, you just said something and, oh, God, what did you say for that? You'll come to me. Take your time, Joe. Take your time. <sighs> So, just yeah. so I can tell you what I said after Paul spoke. So I said something about the fact that who uh, put, um, who sold uh, Joseph into slavery. Yeah, that that Yeah, so from that narrative, um, the narrative, or from that point, that I kind of changed my mind. That you know, God did not sanction the killing, um, but perhaps. God in his perfect plan, well, God could have sanctioned that killing anyway, because if you look at verse 38, when Judah and Tamar, when he slept with his, um, is it, bro? there's a part that he slept with his brother's um, wife and he spilled his semen and God put him to death and stuff like that. So we know that when God in his, in his power, he can do what God wants. So God could have chosen another path to obviously the killing and what would that resolve to? Maybe I who who knows. But I believe that God perfect plan, God knew the plan, and that perfect plan it was for him to be sold. That was the the better alternative to in my opinion. So I think yes, I think yeah. So on that I think on that that little slight little point that I changed my mind from yeah. Okay. And we need to word this carefully. The reason I say we need to word this carefully is just because when bad things happen to us, even before the, we see the turning around for good, how do you view those experiences? Because if you're saying you God is trying to teach you something, mm -hmm. so let's just use There's you know people you know experiencing um, a loss because of what somebody else has done. Hmm. Let's say your house was boggled, right? Or you were, or your colleague, you know, um, told a lie about you. Are you telling me that you tell, you're saying based on the life of Joseph, you'll say that that was God, right? Is that what I'm hearing? It started by human beings, but you were brought through it by God. He already knew it was going to happen. He already knows everything that's going to happen. Even with free will, he knows. So he already had a plan. Okay. okay. Oh, I no. Come from that. Oh, another angle for that. And everyone is. All right. 
So I've really come away from when things happen, when you know when someone passed away and you go and see someone, then it's a natural default saying now everyone said, Oh, it's we give it to God, it's God, you know, God knows best, you know. And he does so know we, best. Huh? Of course God knows best, we know, but that literally speaking that God knows best, as you said it is. So we saying that, oh, God knows best that he needs to die. Is that what we're saying to the person? So my point I'm trying to make is that even God know, I think God perfect our imperfections. And that even the plan to sell him wasn't the perfect plan, but because God know, got a perfect plan and God know the journey, he's the beginning, he's the end. So he know the beginning, he know the end. So God will make a way that it would will start with God and it will end with God, how God wants it to be end. Whether us will be given freedom by God for us to choose, you know, and that's, I think, that's a one of the great, God give us everyone the gift for us to choose. But ultimately, you know, God wants us to make the correct decision. And if we don't make the correct decision now, you know, God will, find a way to make sure as long as you're faithful you do the things in the right way god wanted to find a way to you know end it how god wanted it to be end so we might decide to start from that point but he will take the if you need to take the m25 to get to luton he will do so or m40 to get to luton he will do so so okay. that would be my thing Th thanks yeah, for your yeah sorry judy I would say uh, I agree with you have to look at the end result. If you look at Sir Joseph, what was the, the original, what was the plan? The plan really was for him to eventually become the governor or prime minister mm -hmm. and um, bring his family um, into Egypt so they didn't starve, there's farming, so they would survive because the, the children in Israel had to survive. And what was God's strategic plan was Joseph would go to e Egypt as a slave end up in prison. Why did he end up in prison? There was a reason why he ended up in prison. If you think about the fact that he made friends with these two people that one died and one got um, went back to whatever. And if you think about this fact that he, he was working every time, there was a purpose for that because if he was to be the prime minister in Egypt, he had to learn some responsibilities, you know, and that was very important. And he learned that when he was serving as a servant. I don't know if anyone think, thinks about that, but he learned all of that. So God has God always, there's a plan, there's a plan, there's a reason. If you think about Moses, for example, Moses um, was in our house, of, um, was in Egypt's, I think the house of Pharaoh, yeah, was in the house of Pharaoh and he learned so much. You know, when he came back, it was easy for him to have a conversation with Pharaoh. I think that's how I see it. So I see God um, strategically um, setting up things for a reason. That's why Joseph went to Egypt, Joseph was in prison, that's why he was learning things all the way. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I explain it better for everyone to understand, but I, I, I think that's my understanding anyway. So, No, thank you. And I, I, Julie, I definitely agree with what everybody's saying, but I think a thought that I just want to leave with us uh, before we move on to the next few verses is, I guess, the difference between um, God working something out for good, mm. um, meaning he's able to orchestrate what is bad for godly purposes, versus quote-unquote god's um plan or initiation okay um but i'll leave that thoughts there um so that at least when we go through challenges let's see that god is able to work those things out rather than it's it's a bit like somebody's feeling sick and saying because this is god's plan they don't go to the top doctor because if you're saying that's god's plan why do you need to go to the medical professionals to help you but we normally would go to those people because it's not because we're trying to talk God's plan, but we recognize that God's plan is for us to be well. However, we're in this state of sickness and therefore we need um, to, I guess, push against that that evil, so to speak. All right, but I'll leave that thoughts with us um, just because we don't have, that, that, that wasn't the objective of this session. But the good thing about this is it's allowing us to think about the nature of narratives, that sometimes the narratives, you can't always in one passage um, figure out the full counsel of God about a particular situation. Uh, so in the case of evil, so in, in the case of pain and betrayal, 
this is not the only thing that tell, this is not the only passage that will tell us about betrayal. There are other scriptures that we might need to look at to be able to get the full gist. When it comes to God's plan and God's purposes and God's uh, working things out for good, we might need to check other passages. All right. So let's jump to verse five to eight. Uh, from verse five to eight. And this is another feature of narratives. Um, and this idea, so this is uh, Genesis 45. By the way, we wouldn't have breakout rooms today. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a disappointment to people. I know, I'll tell you why, Vinny, um, because I'm trying to make sure we finish this today um, so that we don't rush it. And that way we can conclude on the actual Bible studies topic of studying the Bible, which is starting next week. All right. So I'm really sorry that um, we wouldn't be going to our breakout room today just for practical reasons of being able to finish this. Um, so that way we don't have an hangover. There's, maybe hangover is not the right word. We don't have a carryover um, to, to next week. And hangover is not the right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, you, you know what I'm trying to say. Carryover rather. Um, <clears throat> so yes. So from verse five to eight, so Genesis 45 from verse five to eight, and this is a feature of some narratives is the fact that some specific words are repeated. And I think it was Joe that mentioned this. So let's look at from verse, verse five. So if somebody reads verse five, just one person that hasn't read uh, Genesis 45, verse five. Okay. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This okay. famine, oops. Oops. Oh, sorry. That's just verse, verse five. Yeah, that's five. Okay. Okay, thank you. Somebody else to read verse seven. And God sent me okay, before God. you. Thanks, Lord. Yeah. And God sent me before you to preserve a pos posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Thank you. And verse 8, anyone else? So now it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Thank you. Um, what do we observe about those three verses from verse five to eight when it comes to repetition? That it's Joseph's word straight from his mouth and not part of the narration. Okay, that's one. Um, that wasn't what I'm trying to get at, but that's valid because what Sorry. you're saying is true. But there's something about repetition um, in from verse five to eight. I think some specific words are repeated. It was emphasizing the God factor. It is God. It is God. It is God. It is God. Yep. And what exactly about God was he repeating? How in God this? sent him. Ahead. Okay. So the fact that he said God sent him three times. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is something that we need to also observe our narratives or storytelling, that if something is repeated again and again, it's usually to get our attention. So for example, Jesus would say, verily, verily, I say unto you, exactly the same word is repeated again and again. You know, in Isaiah, the Bible talks about how the angels cry, holy, holy, holy. I mean, why can't you just say holy once, you know, but they repeat again and again. And so that's something unique about the scriptures when something is repeated again and again, it's really, really for us to take notice. And so what is it that the Bible wants us to take notice here about? And I guess it goes back to what we've been debating about previously. So uh, hopefully this would maybe clear the waters for us. Genesis, sorry, from verse five to eight, what does the Bible want us to take notice here about the life of Joseph, that is, and his experience? We've been debating God, about this. I think God knows it all the while. God was involved. He has planned it out. Okay. Yep. And something else? Um, to save his people. Yep. Okay. That this would have happened regardless if, unless he died, but then he would have sent someone like an angel or something to say to Reuben, hey, don't let them kill him. <laughs> so, yeah. Vinia, I'm struggling to see that part though. 
Um, just based on this three verses, I'll be honest. So you said, well, we just discovered that this was God's plan all along, right? Yeah. That even though his brothers were jealous of him and wanted to kill him, that wasn't the plan. But if you, Reuben was the one that changed his mind, right? But if Reuben, right? Yeah, he was, he was Reuben. Right. So if Reuben hadn't changed his mind, then possibly God would have sent an angel or something or had him had a vision or a dream to say, hey, we cannot kill him. Like, don't kill him. Just sell him because that was the plan. They went along with the plan all along. Hmm. But also, hello, no. sorry, can I say something? Of course. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, but also, you know, with what Vinny was saying, because while I was reading that, I was saying to myself, God knew already what was going on. And I think uh, what he had to do, I think that God was in the mind of Reuben. I'm sorry, is it, was it Reuben that said she said? No, I don't think it was Reuben that said she said it was Judah that said she So yeah. I think I told Judah. So Reuben was, must have been the one that said, don't kill him. Yeah. And then somebody else um, now said, let's sell him. Yeah, Judah now said, don't sell him. So I am thinking that it was God that actually had to like touch this people's heart because, you know, okay, yes, I know that you said that we should not go to the Bible, you know, to not like, you know, go to other narratives. But, you know, when God wants to do something, he changes he changes the minds of people. So I just know that I am thinking, for me, within it, God has already an, an intention for him. He had a purpose for him already. So in order for the purpose to be achieved, it was not true that. So he had to like, you know, with his magic, God is a wonderful God, <laughs> with whatever, with his power, he has to like, you know, change the mind of his, you know, his brothers in order for them to like think of another way of coming with another strategy in order for them to choose other options in order for them to like get to the for 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 his purpose to be achieved anyway. I don't know is what I was thinking anyway. I think God had to like change the brother's mind instead of killing him to just like sell him so that the purpose would be achieved. Because if he died, it won't have been achieved. I don't know is what I thought. No, thank you, thank you, uh, Edith, uh, for your contribution. What I'll just do is I'll stick to what is written. Um, just to remove any doubts, uh, so at least all of us can see with our two eyes, or if we're wearing glasses with our four eyes, that this is what it says. So I think I'm just going to focus on the fact that God sent him. God, sorry, God went ahead of him and sent him. So verse five says, um, "Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. It was God. It was God to save lives that God sent me ahead of you." Um, so that's verse five. Verse. Seven. seven it says god but god sent me and verse eight and it says it was not you who sent me here but god and so as far as joseph is concerned with everything that is happening in his life he had a godly perspective um so i noticed i think kemi must have said something about in at seven thirty-five that it was human beings that caused uh joseph's pain but as far as Joseph is concerned, all that event that took place is culminating with a divine appointment that it was actually God that was behind, walking behind the scenes. Perhaps not necessarily saying that God is the one that causes pain, but in terms of God preserving his life and bringing him to this place, it was all God's divine agenda. Okay. Mm -hmm. So just going back to what we, um, we've seen in verse one and two, the fact that Joseph's pain was caused by other people. Um, verse five to eight, is to say that, you know, Joseph had a divine perspective about the situation. Um, and then we we'll look finally in verses 8 to 9. Uh, and this might not necessarily be obvious before we now reflect of what does that mean for ourselves in our own lives. So verses 8 to 9. Um, and I'll just read that just because of time. And it says here, So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt, now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. Um, and I'll just share this. And this is my reflection based on the, re the writing of the text before we then say, okay, what does this have to tell us? And it's just the fact that, you know, there's a repetition again about how Joseph talks about, you know, God made him the Lord of all Egypt and how God also made him the father of uh, Pharaoh. And for me, I see that as a transformation that Joseph has gone through from just being a slave 
to being a um, a prisoner, um, to giving advice to fellow prisoners, to now him being father to somebody else, or lord of an entire household, or ruler of all of Egypt. So Joseph himself has been through some form of trans, uh, transformation, uh, which has culminated into this. So it starts with his pain, which was caused by his siblings, to him having a godly perspective about what has happened to him. And then finally, to recognizing actually, you know, a change has actually happened in his own life that now is now father to somebody else, is now ruler of another country, um, is now a lord over somebody else's household. So that's what we can glean from Joseph's life in himself. Now, the reason I went to, took us through this process is so that when we're reading the scriptures, it's always good to actually read the story in themselves before we start to say, okay, what can we learn from it? Mm. Um, just because sometimes when we come to scripture, we already come in with the view of, we want to hear our own voice in scripture. And there's, there's, there's value in that. Um, but the challenge you must have noticed from this conversation is all of us has different perspectives um, just by looking at this story by themselves. And so it's always good to know, okay, what is the Bible actually said mm. before we now say, okay, what is the Bible telling us? Because what the Bible has said is the same, but what the Bible now tells us is different based on our unique circumstances, all right? So that's one of the things I just want to bring out from this story about the life of Joseph, that the story is the same, but what the Bible now speaks into our own individual lives is now different, all right? So I'm going to leave the floor open to hear what the Bible is saying to us personally based on the life of Joseph. So the floor is open for um, reflections from any angle, uh, either based on this particular passage or based on the entire 13 or 14 verses that we've looked at previously. Thank you, Fuller. I think one thing, one thing that has stayed with me and I'm still trying to figure out is the upbringing of this guy, Joseph, what kind of upbringing did he have while he was at home that could sustain him? That and the words he was saying are, the, are not the words of his age mate. He was just 30 at his age. He's just still young, 30. Yet he's saying, I'm a father to the president of a nation. I mean, that effrontery, that boldness, that realization, that discovery of your purpose, you know, this is what I'm here to do. I mean, I just, I'm just interested in how, how was he raised? It, it's putting a, a, a question on me to say parenting, the importance of good and right parenting. That's just what I've been meditating on. Can I offer a clue? Oh, sorry, Mary, you're going to say something. I was going to say two things, actually, um, actually, based on what Paul said. Okay, okay, go on. So one is, like, I guess the fact, the, the, the fact that Jacob came from, I would say, like a godly heritage. So his father was Isaac and his grandfather was Abraham. You know, I think that um, lends itself to why jo um, Joseph had the influence or the shaping um in terms of his character um but i would also but in a way i'm also going to conflict what i'm or say something contrasting to what i've just said which is that his brothers had the same upbringing mm -hmm. and his brothers didn't have you know his brothers were jealous his brothers didn't display godly characteristics. They sold their sibling, for goodness sake. So you ca you cannot say that, ah, oh, it was because of his Joseph's parenting, um, or you can't just say it was Joseph's parenting. I think it's it could be that it could be that you know, like it's all it's it's almost like you you could say this for many families that even though the parenting is good, then all the children may not necessarily reflect um, the household or that that upbringing. Um, yeah, in terms of how their lives play out. Mm. Can I say something, Paula? Oh, guys. 
Winnie has given you a thumbs up. So sorry, Vinny has given oh. you a thumbs up. So please go ahead. Oh, thank you, Lady Vinny. Um, it was weird. I don't think um his upbringing. We shouldn't even think that you should not even like consider that right now, because I am with what you know with what bread. Even how he was talking, I just felt that he's done his time, and also he's humbled himself. I think that God has dealt with him. And he's humbled himself, like looking at what has happened to him from the past to how God led him to Paris her home and how God favored him and everything. So I think he was through the journey that he was going through. He was just seeing the hands of God in everything. And imagine from the age of 17 to for him being 30, I think that God has worked on him because no normal person that your sibling will saw you and then you have love. <laughs> with them that means god has like transformed you to be a better person because if not the human flesh is like we are coming for revenge and if you look at the end of things he was like when he was sending them back he's like do not quarrel those start like doing for me when he says do not quarrel he's saying to them don't start throwing accusation or whatever everything look at it as god's purpose so i just feel that in order for him to answer like that god has worked on him god has helped him to heal and god has given him that heart of forgiveness and God has humbled him to be, to be there, has broken him, has remolded him, and that's why he was favored. Yeah, that's all I can say. Sorry, guys. Thank you very much, um, Vinny. Uh, sorry, uh, Edith, extraordinary Edith for, for that uh, reflection. And, and just to piggyback on Paul's point, um, I think there's something in the text that can also tell us about his parental heritage as well. And going back to what Mary said, is because when we look at the all of faith, um, and it's something I've always reflected on about generational faith. Um, and it's the fact that in Hebrews 11, it talks about how by faith, Joseph, when he was, his end was near, he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. So there was something about Joseph that knew how things were going to pan out. And it's interesting that even his father also gave similar instructions. And those instructions came from their great-grandfather, Abraham, because God had told Abraham that your children are going to spend some time in a particular place. And so there's something to be said as well about the generational aspect of Joseph's faith, about him receiving faith that has been passed down from his great-grandfather, Abraham, down to his grandfather, down to his father, and then his father also impacts in that um, the unfortunate thing is the Bible doesn't tell us about Joseph's upbringing in terms of whether his father read Bible. Well, actually, there were no Bible stories at the time. Um, whether, you know, things, so specific things were taught him. But what we at least know based on what, you know, what we read is throughout his life, things were said that suggest that actually Joseph knew God for himself, you know, and there are times when the Bible says God was with him and God was with him and God was with him. So, um, so yeah, just to reflect on uh, what Paul, um, Edith and Mary have said. All right. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Paul. Uh, anybody else wants to share any of the things that they um, yeah. found reflective yeah, from um, this? What I think, what actually for me, um, no reflection, I think I want to concentrate on, you know, trust and faithfulness in Joseph and understanding his purpose. You know, I think for us people, we go through a day through work that, you know, things will happen. You know, even in our workplace, you have a boss, a boss that you don't get on with or that is always make your life miserable. And our initial reaction is, oh, I can't wait for him, her or him to get sacked or for him to leave. It's just that thought of revenge that, you know, you could be driving and someone cut across you and initially your first tool would be how mm, I wish you crashed that car, you know. But you can see a man of God with Joseph here. He trusted God. I kind of I'm just still thinking, did Joseph actually knew the full assignment God was going to take him through? You know, and I'm not sure whether he actually knew the whole process, you know, how everything was going to pan out, you know. And so it comes back to a point is just, but Joseph trusted God, whatever God was taking him through, whether he knew or not. But at the end of the day, he trusted that when it came for him to take a revenge, he didn't. His heart was warm with love 
for his brothers and not the revenge that we human naturally our instinct will be for us to take some sort even some small revenge just to teach him a lesson and joseph could have done that you know could have taught them a lesson could have done something to teach him a lesson and we are human if take my children for example when they do something wrong my first is to okay you've done something wrong but i'm going to teach you a lesson you know so but joseph done it the other way he uses love too and joseph understood i believe that he understood his assignment you know because if we look at genesis um i wrote it down somewhere um genesis 50 verse 20 and there's a bit that he says you know joseph um but god meant it for good so wherever where everything that happened through joseph you know through shackles and everything the pain and everything he knew god meant it for the good not just you know so he wasn't selfish enough for you know what it was just for me but he knew it was for the entire his family or the people of israel to be able to benefit from from that process so that so that is what i take it from it you know trusting and you know being able to forgive and not think the first instant was to take a revenge so that's the that's a bit that i take i take it from it yeah thank you um joe and i think on the back of that as well is trying to keep a soft heart um especially when it comes to areas of hurt and people that hurt us um and one of the ways somebody said is if you can't pray for someone it means you are living in unforgiveness towards that person because that's always a litmus test that you know prayer is not something that is quite spiritual and if you can't say a blessing for them or at least pray for them then because we only have one heart right you know if it's blocked nothing can flow through and sometimes that's one of the ways in which we know whether we're forgiving someone or not um whether or not we're able to to pray uh, for them um but yeah I, I really like that it's always good to have a godly perspective on whatever we're going through thank you thank you and one that really caught my attention was throughout this narrative they never said anything about potiphar's wife when joseph was in prison sorry mm -hmm. when joseph was now in the palace or as a as a governor or ruler and i'm not sure if you if you've ever had this experience when you're watching the movie there was a particular scene that the the, uh, the directors put into that movie and you want to see how it panned out but for some reason the directors they've chosen not to include any conclusion about that particular scene in that movie and that's the way this felt to me that why did god not choose for us to hear about potiphar's wife again in terms of you know whether she felt an apology whether she had apologized to him and and, and so on um and that's something that really stood out to me that you know sometimes when people hurt us we don't always have to get closure you know um at least from god's perspective or what god wants to communicate to us there was no need for potiphar's wife to come back into the frame you know what happened happened um but it got infinite mercy it didn't feel there was a need for potiphar's life to come back into into the frame and one of the things i learned from that is for us as well we don't always have to get closure um from everyone that hurt us we don't always have to have that you know i told you so kind of thing do you see what my life has become type thing um but yeah well can i say something yes okay so i am actually thinking that maybe the letter the letter found out that he was telling the truth that she was lying so that's why and I'm sure maybe Potiphar kind of like the boss, the liar, the Jezebelian woman. Anyway. No, it, it is. I honestly I agree with you. But what I mean is for, for our purposes, for God's purposes, it didn't feel there was any need to tell that story. Um, so I agree with you that we don't I mean, I I don't want to say we don't know. And Jenny, we don't know really what happened, whether you know there was that moment of reveal. Oh, you were lying, Mrs. Potiphar's I don't know what her surname was, but but it's just the fact that God chose not to tell our story um, or yeah, chose not to, yeah. Because if they had told it, I'm not going to lie, I'd be thinking, yes, vengeance against you for what you did. I was, My mind would be going to that in the story. So I see why maybe it's a good thing they didn't include it. Obviously, I'm just human, but I would be like, see what you did? 
that's what you did. And he was this. I, that's what I'd be thinking. Like, had they said, oh, yeah, it came to pass that she was a liar. They arrested her. Yeah. It would be, that's how it would go when, and that's not how it, it should go, if that makes sense. It's about, you know, God, God created forgiveness and stuff. But had it been told yeah. that way, I would be thinking of vengeance. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, can I say something quickly? Yes, please, Anna. Well, um, I was also thinking about that story as well. But I was thinking, because when I was reading the Bible, I remember when he was in Potiphar's house, that the house was blessed because he was there. And so therefore, when he goes to prison, I'm not saying they're reversed, but they, they probably weren't as blessed as they would have been had he still been in the household. But therefore, he didn't really need to talk about it. and He didn't need to bring it up in the story because the evidence would have been there that with, with his presence no longer in the house, things were probably going downhill because he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. That's just my two pence. No, thank you. Thank you. And I mean, it, 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 I think both pences are very helpful. Um, and I, and the way I sometimes reflect on it is, let's say somebody mistreats you at work. You know, there's no need to, and let's say you have to leave the workplace. There's no need to say, you know, I told you, so I've got a better job now you know that that sort of uh spice in people's faces because you know as bible says god is the god of vengeance he said it's for me to repay and sometimes you just have to let god be the one to um repay the other people again this is not to say that we don't uh take up our fight for justice but it's just recognizing that sometimes god has a way of uh, rewarding us uh, beyond um what we think uh mary you've got your hand up yeah not because i um well, I don't know. Let me, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that at the end of the day, if Joseph could forgive his brothers and let it go, then it applies the same way to Potiphar's wife. Um, you know, it was all part of the plan. Um, and if she hadn't done what she'd done, he wouldn't have ended up in prison. So, yeah. So it's, it's, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same principle, really, with Potiphar's wife as with Joseph's brothers. So here's the final question, and we're going to spend some time praying for one another. Um, and Paul has, men, um, I guess, messaged me as well about something that we need to pray into. Uh, so thank you so much for that, Paul. And is this, what if Joseph never actually became prime minister? Hmm. What if Joseph never ended up in the palace? What if all the things that we read about him being the Lord of Pharaoh never happened. Or maybe let's rewind to the year, two years before he was put out of prison or the day before he was let out of jail. How would we view the story? How would we view this sense of uh, forgiveness? How would we view um, God's being the writer of his story? Because we have the benefits of seeing the full picture let's think about it a day before joseph had to interpret the dream do you think we'll still say it was god that sent him there whilst he's still in prison and the reason i'm saying that is let's use that to reflect on our lives at the moment in terms of if somebody has caused you pain where you have not been able to actually get the closure that you need or quote unquote get the reward or the God working everything else, you haven't seen that manifestation. How do you view that pain that that person has caused? And I'm just going to read out what Paul has said to me. And, you know, Paul has a strong impression that, you know, who has caused us pain? Um, is this something that somebody has said, something, some, something someone has done to us? Um, that we might need to let go because it's easy for us to see the happy ending. But what if we never saw the happy ending? You know, the book of Hebrews 11 talks about how, you know, some people actually died in faith. In other words, they didn't necessarily see the happy ending of their faith, at least on this side of eternity. So, of course, they will see in heaven, but on this side of eternity, there was no happy ending. Um Someone like Stephen, for example, he was stoned, but there was no, you know what, him dying physically, him be resurrected physically. And so sometimes you have to be comfortable with those 
situations where, quote unquote, it doesn't end well, quote unquote. I use the word quote because for us, God's, God's people, it's always going to end well. And I just want us to spend some time. Um, and if you need to verbalize it as well, um, who has caused you pain? Um, because I think the story of Joseph tells a big story of redemption. It tells a big story of forgiveness. It tells the story of God working things out for good. It tells the story of human frailty, the fact that not just others can offend us, we can also offend other people. We can also bring pain into the life of other people. You know, I have a friend that caused, well, put it this way, she slept with a married man. And as a result, she had a baby out of that. And so whilst most of our stories in our, most of our churches has always been the person that is the victim, some of us are not necessarily the victim. We're actually the one that has caused pain. And so there's always two sides to this. And, you know, the story of Joseph really recounts that. Um, and so I'm hoping that this is a open forum or at least a, a safe forum. And I'm going to stop recording. Um, if people need prayer support um, of maybe perhaps you've held uh, unforgiveness um, towards other people or you're still hurting and you're struggling to actually forgive, um, we want to create that space uh, for you to receive um, the healing that you need uh, or at least to share those stories so that we can pray for one another. You know, the Bible talks about in James that we should pray for one another so that we can be healed. You know, there's virtue in us sharing our weaknesses with other people. Um, there's virtue in us being able to be open. And I'm hoping that this is open enough for us to do that. So I'm going to stop recording um, so that we can leave the floor open to pray for one another if anybody needs healing.